Hello and welcome to On the Front Porch with us, your weekly Disney podcast. I'm Tony Pascal. I'm Josh Whitehead, and this week we are doing Zootopia. This is a good one. I really enjoy this movie. Tony really enjoys this movie. It's a very recent movie, 2016, and I think that there's a lot to say about this movie, Tony. Oh yeah, so this movie gets to me in a way that like almost no other movie will um and i think i'm gonna go a little bit personal through in this movie and like tell you a little bit about why it gets to me but like i like was crying in several points in this movie and i fucking love this movie um and am really excited to be talking about it i have uh, a lot of serious stuff so josh is gonna be carrying the comedy uh (laughs) on this episode and i think that's okay i think it's okay for us to have a a more like super interesting and in-depth look on this film well, especially this film in particular. This movie is ultimately about racism. This is what this movie is about. And so I think that it's it would be unfair to this movie in particular to not talk about that aspect. Right. And so before we do much, we should say we're two white guys talking about this film, <laughs> okay? So, right. like, uh, like, nothing that we're saying, like... Obviously, we're going to be talking from a point of privilege, um, and calling that out uh, is going to be important before we even start. Uh, but that said, I think that we also have like an interesting perspective to bring uh, as far as like just like breaking down what we think the film is about and like what others have said and talked about with this film. So uh, it should be a lot of fun. I'm so excited, uh, and I think that we really really have a great conversation ahead of us yeah i think so uh real fast so the movie is 2016 it's uh directed by byron howard rich moore and jared bush mm-hmm. and there's a lot of really interesting stuff about this movie just in the trivia i found um found quite a bit of stuff first of all it did win the 2017 best animated feature oscar academy award uh, and there are a lot of really great people in this movie. Like, we already know Jennifer Goodwin and Jason Bateman. Jennifer Goodwin being Judy. Uh, she is also in Once Upon a Time. Jason Bateman is this super funny actor. Uh, gotta love Jason Bateman. And then there's a lot of, like, side characters that they brought in that are just amazing actors and actresses. And I just want to go over some of those real fast. Plus uh, Gazelle. Yeah, Gazelle, uh, played by Shakira. Um, that was really exciting. Tommy Chong plays uh, the the guy, the nudist, uh, who remembers all that stuff and wishes uh, he was an elephant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong. Nate Torrance, he's another comedian. He played Clawhauser. Um, Alan Tudyk was in this movie. He played Duke Weaselton. Uh, Go, Alan Tudyk. Yeah. Uh, Kristen Bell played the uh, female sloth in the DMV. Uh, Idris Elba was Chief Bogo, and J.K. Simmons was Mayor Lionheart. This is a very comedian-heavy cast. That's awesome. Yes, most definitely. And I think it worked out. Like, they they really got the essence of, like, it it was a comedy, but it had these serious undertones. Um, With Alan Tudyk, this was uh, one of the last five Disney movies that he was uh, a, either a villain or a secondary character in. So the last five Disney movies Alan Tudyk has been in. 
That's wild. Right? How crazy wow. is that? He's becoming like a Disney regular, and I love that about him. I, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I got it. You gotta love Alan Tudyk. Um, he in this movie he played Duke Weaselton, and in Frozen he played Duke of Wesselton. And in Frozen they said or they they made the joke. Uh, they called him Duke of Weaseltown. And in this movie, Judy makes the joke, uh, Duke. Weselton, and he's like, it's Weaselton. That's and awesome. So there's like a lot of crossover between this one and Frozen. I didn't even know that. That's so great. I knew yeah. that Alan Tudyk was the Duke. I don't. I didn't remember that. I've only seen Frozen once. So yeah. So that's yeah. kind of funny. Uh, and again, he was in the the last five Disney movies. So that's really exciting. Uh, there are. I know that you and Marie are going to talk about this in a minute. Uh, we've got Marie on as a guest, by the way. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but there are no birds, no reptiles, no fish or amphibians in this movie. So that's all a mammals. little... All mammals. And the only mammals that were left out were bats, because they didn't want the bats to be the only flying things. They left out primates, because they were too close to humans. And they left out sea mammals, so dolphins, whales because they felt that it would be um, the same thing would apply, that why are there only these few water creatures when there aren't fish or anything? So that begs the question, we we have to wonder, what do the predators eat since well, no, they we, are... We do see a fish market. Yeah, they eat, they eat other animals, just not mammals. They eat yeah. reptiles and, and fish and probably birds, yeah. There is a fish market. Like, we, we see that briefly. So that assumes, that begs the question, like, are they eating fish? And yeah. if so, that's kind of weird. They're just not eating mammals anymore. <laughs> I mean, otherwise the predators would all die. Like, they have to eat something that is meat. Like, they, they can't eat fish. They can't eat uh, veggies. So Well, they can. Nick eats a blueberry. Okay. Well, I think foxes can, but I don't actually think bears can eat well, I guess they can eat fruit. Never mind. Bears eat berries. Some... Yeah. All right, fine. Um, uh, one of the other ones that I got was Nicholas Piberius Wild is uh, Nick's full name. He's based on Star Trek. He's based on Captain Kirk. Who Tiberius. Is, uh, yeah, his middle name is Tiberius in, in Star Trek. Uh, Captain James Tiberius Kirk. Nick is Nicholas Piberius Wild. Um, so that's a little interesting note. They based him off Star Trek and the voice of Mr. Big, the mobster, the, the one that's supposed to be portraying the Godfather, the Marlon Brando, um, uh -huh. is voiced by Mr. Maurice LaMarche, who also voiced God Pigeon in Animaniacs 1993. The God Pigeon. <laughs> the God Pigeon, who of course is also based off of Marlon Brando in The Godfather. Yeah, that's um, funny. The last thing that I put was that um, in the movie there is a couple of really weird things that show that these animals live for a particularly long time, live almost as long as like humans would live. Um, because in while calculating the taxes or the tax evasion, uh, she uh, Judy says to Nick. That since he was 12 years old, he's been doing this since he was 12 years old, 
every day for two decades, which would make him 32 years old. And she's just guessing based on his appearance. So I guess in this world, foxes, he's a pretty young-looking fox to me. Foxes are, are able to still look young at 32 and be pretty good. So yeah. that's nice. And uh, a good Judy, a good perk of being evolved, I guess. Yeah, Judy uh, was nine years old at the beginning of the movie, and then there it says fifteen years later. So, and then the, we assume that there's one year of training. Then, which I I think there would be more than one year of training to be honest with you, because but at least yeah, like yeah. So she's at least twenty five years old. Nice. And she's, like, super young. Everybody makes fun of her for being young. So, yeah, this is, like, they are the same age as people. You're totally right. Unless they're in, like, bunny years and fox years. (laughs) (laughs) Then uh, maybe not. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, man. So that's that's all the trivia I have for this movie. But there's, there's a lot of really interesting things going on in this movie. Well, let's start with the interview that we had with Marie that I had I had got to talk to Marie about uh, some of her feelings on lack of reptile representation. Uh, it's a really great conversation and something that we've wanted to do for a while. Yeah, absolutely. So real fast, we'll push you over to that interview and uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. All right. So welcome, everybody. Here with me right now is Marie Pascal the past vice president of the NCSU Disney Movie Club, my very wonderful wife, and also, important to today's show, a zookeeper! Yay! Marie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So, my name's Marie, as you have gleaned already. I am a zookeeper! I have been working with animals for probably over five years in various capacities. Currently, I am working with reptiles, primarily snakes. So, I take care of them. I do all things zookeepery with them. Zookeepery. I guess we'll have to get into that later on. (laughs) All the zookeepery things. But before we do, we are always going to ask our guests to do a quick rapid fire question answer. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. What is your favorite Disney movie? Favorite non-Disney movie? Oh, that's hard. (laughs) Rapid fire. (laughs) I don't know. Let's go with Indiana Jones. All of them. Nice. Favorite Disney princess? Oh, Tiana. Okay. Favorite non-Disney princess? Anastasia. Everyone says that. I love Anastasia. Okay. (laughs) If you could be any animal in the world, what would you be and why? Oh, Cobra. I love my cobras. Cobras are really stinking cute when they're small because they're floppy and don't have coordination, but they're little, little meanies. They have attitude, and they can live in pretty much anywhere. African cobras, Asian cobras. don't really have a specific cobra in mind, but I like cobras. Okay. So you are known across the NCSU Disney Movie Club world for marades. Could you <laughs> go ahead and take some time? I'm going to whisper into your ear what I'd like you to act out. I'd like you to act it out without talking to our podcast <laughs> listeners. I don't think this will work very well. Is it 
I, I mean, I whispered it to you, so I know yeah, what it is. Yeah, you know what it is. And this none is of them great can see for me. podcast it's listening. wonderful. Marades. Well planned. Marades are just charades. <laughs> and yeah. It I'm went really, really well. Good She's at good at it. it. <laughs> <laughs> if you were in a movie, or you, a movie was made about your life, who would star as you? Why would there be a movie about me? I don't know. Let's say Dwayne. <laughs> the Rock. Okay. I'll vote for that. Cool. <laughs> All right, what is Josh's worst quality? He's very pessimistic. He is He's pessimistic. really pessimistic. You're right. Okay, now, to continue our theme, this is our last question. A lot of our ga- All of our guests so far have answered a question about restaurant etiquette, and so we're going to continue that. All right. Our traditional restaurant etiquette question. Imagine you are out with your husband and his boss, your wonderful, good-looking, and handsome husband, mm-hmm. and he has food in his beard, what would you do? Tell you I, you have food in your beard. Like, discreetly, or just like... No, you have food in your beard. Alright, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, that's our rapid fire. So, my very serious question now is, I know that one of the things we've talked about a lot is that you have some grievances with how reptiles especially are portrayed in Disney movies and in kids movies generally. Yes, very much so. Can you talk about that a little bit? Okay, so I am partial to my reptiles, my scaly, scaly, wonderful little animals, and it is a rare instance, especially for snakes, for you to see a positive image of a snake anywhere, really, media-wise. Especially in kids' movies. So you have, like, you know, the first snake that usually comes to mind, Shere Khan. Not Shere Khan. Ka! In the Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. He's a bad guy. He hypnotizes people to eat them. He's funny, though. He is funny, and he's pretty coolly depicted, but he's a bad guy. You have some good reptiles. Generally, they're turtles. You have a lot of good turtles around. You have some good alligators. So... Princess and the Frog, great example. Awesome trumpet playing alligator, who is a really awesome dude in there. But, yeah, generally, reptiles, not that great. Let's see, dragons. Dragons are kind of, they can be good or bad. You have, like... Pete. Pete. Oh, Elliot. Elliot and Pete's dragon. He's an awesome one. He's wonderful. You have Mushu, who is sort of a dragon. Little lizard dragon. Kind of a lizardy, yeah. Lizard dragon. You know, he's a weird character, but he's ultimately a good guy. And then you have, like, Maleficent, evil dragon thing. You have just... There are too many unfavorable representations of reptiles in movies, and I do not like it. Okay. So, I guess my question is, why? Why don't you like that? Why is that a problem? Because reptiles get such a bad rap doesn't matter who you're really talking to but like if somebody says snake pretty much the first thing that comes into mind are like these animals that are like always angry always out to get you and that's not the first image that comes into my mind when i think of a snake i just think of an animal they are a wild animal like every other animal Mm. so like you have snakes are no different than say a tiger You don't want to walk into a cage with a tiger, because that tiger could kill you. Same idea with a snake. If you walk and try and poke, you know, like a rattlesnake, it's 
probably not going to end well for you. But it's a wild animal. Just leave it alone. Walk away. And it'll leave you alone. They are no different. You have very chill snakes. So, like ball pythons. People love having ball pythons for pets because they just hang out. And then you have some not-so-chill snakes. For example, these little 12-inch garter snakes are much more likely to bite me than most of my cobras. They are very strikey. And they are little... They're non-venomous. They eat insects, for crying out loud. But they think they're 20 feet long and they will bite you if you come anywhere near them. But people don't see that. They have one term to view snakes, particularly. And that is angry. Evil. It is very rare for me to come across somebody who is not, like, in the zoo field or knows about animals, for them to think up of a good term for a snake right off the top of their head. And that's just frustrating, because I work with these animals on a daily basis. They have personalities like every other animal. And one thing that we, like, are going to talk about a ton in this movie is that Zootopia is very much a movie about breaking the single story narrative like it's not just about one like snakes are just not, are not one thing predators are not just one thing prey are not just one thing rabbits are not just one thing foxes are not just one thing black people aren't just one thing white people aren't this one thing men are not just one thing women are not just one thing like all of that right what what about the depictions of are the reptiles that you noticed sticking out to you in zootopia no there is not one reptile. Zootopia is all mammals. Which, yes, it does bother me. But like you said, it, it, it has some good points. But I would like for those points to be shown across different animal groups. So, like, it does a cool thing with the fox and the bunny. Like, at the end, they're, they're like, jesting back and forth to each other. And they're like, yeah, you're, you're a cute fox and you're a sly bunny. They switch character roles of what you generally think of as a fox and a bunny. And it kind of does the same thing for like, you know, predator versus prey. It'd be cool if we could apply that to reptiles as well. Snakes, they're not all hyper. They don't all bite you at the first glance. There are some that are really antsy and yeah, you'll get bit. But there are also others that, I mean, they just hang out. You cannot label one group of things by one term and call it good. There are gradations in all behaviors, in all groups of animals, in all groups of people. So what are some movies, Disney movies, that have good characteristics of snakes? (laughs) So I spent a lot of time Googling this today, and the only one I can come up with is Kung Fu Panda. So not even a Disney movie. No, not even a Disney movie. Kung Fu Panda is it, though. You have Master Viper, who is awesome, and she's actually one of the friendliest characters. Like, when Poe gets accepted into, he's called the dragon warrior Viper, one of the first ones to be like, yeah, he's different, but, you know, now he's part of our group. She's really cordial, really friendly. Maybe because Viper knows some of those stereotypes could be harmful, and so she also, like, wants to extend a hand to Poe? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of it. I was doing a little backstory on Viper, just so I could talk intelligently about her. So they did a, uh, like, Secrets of the Temple little short Mm -hmm. about all the masters. And uh, Viper, as it turns out, apparently does not have fangs. She does not have venom. She was born without them. 
And because of that, her dad was the defender of his village. He used his venom to defend his village, which in and of itself is awesome. He's using his venom for good. That's awesome. Awesome characteristic. But he didn't think that she would be able to do the same because she didn't have the venom. Uh. So that is an interesting backstory. Dad's awesome. He uses his venom for good. That's cool. But he didn't really accept his daughter as a defender, as a warrior, until his daughter actually saved him from a, I think it was a gorilla who was attacking the city with venom-proof armor. Oh, Um, no. Yeah, so (laughs) dad wasn't able to do much. He actually broke his fangs on the armor, so, like, they share, like, a fangless smile at the end, and it's all cute and yay. But Viper herself had some hard points. It wasn't necessarily because she was a snake, even. It was just that she didn't have the same characteristics as her dad to fight evil the same way. Huh. Yeah, it was neat. So she picked up Kung Fu. That's smart. Yeah. Are there good representations in maybe in movies or something else that we can look at? Uh, rather, books, TV shows, um, anything? Yeah, so there are... They are far and few between. So my favorite book growing up as a kid, it's probably the reason I love snakes so much, was called Veardy. It's by Janelle Cannon. And it's about a little green tree python. And how, like, when he's young, he's, got, he's like, yellow. He goes zipping around the forest. And he doesn't want to grow up to be those, like, old, green, lazy snakes. <laughs> um, and he goes on this wild adventure. I love the book. And in the back of it, you get a couple pages of, like, really good info about snakes. There are some other little ones. These are ones that I have not read, but I was able to find them. They look pretty cute. There's a book called My Snake Blake, which is about a kid who gets a pet snake from his dad. And they're just good buddies, and they hang out all day. That one's by Randy Siegel. That one looked cute. And then there's another one called A Snake Who Said Shh, which looks also cute. It's by uh, Jody Paracini and Gil McLean illustrated it. Also looks cute. It's like the whole forest comes out to see this baby snake say his first words. And he says, shh. Which is not what you think of when you think of a snake talking. So it's, it's it looks cute. But uh, and one of my, I loved Little Bear, the TV show, when I was little. It's based on a book, but... There's a really cute character in, in there called No Feet. He's just a little little green snake who lives in the garden, and Little Bear hangs out with him. And No Feet, you know, originally says, "People don't like me. I'm glad you like me." And he explains like people think I'm slimy and cold, but Little Bear's like, "No, you're not slimy at all. You're really dry. You're just covered in scales, not fur." So it's cute, but that is a about it. You kind of get a good representation of snakes in things like a series of unfortunate events. You have the herpetologist yeah. guardian, but you see him for like one episode in the TV show. I guess it's one book in the series, but like there's not that many. That is all I could find. Well, thank you so much for helping us to break down this representation problem. We're going to talk about a few more in the episode and thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I love talking about it. All right. And again, we want to thank Marie. We we really appreciated having you on and talking about reptiles and stuff. Yeah. Also making fun of Josh. I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, that was uh. You know what? <laughs> I, I take I take pessimism as a compliment. That is something I <laughs> pride myself on. 
Well, good. <laughs> yeah, I, that's I believe... very optimistic uh, outlook on that. Uh, on, that. <laughs> on pessimism, <laughs> uh, I firmly believe that being pessimistic makes me uh, stronger in the long run. That that like, I again as a child, for those of you that didn't listen to the Mother's Day episode, I was was very gullible as a child, and so being pessimistic has made me made me have a hard exterior <laughs> thick hide. well good <laughs> yeah so tony yeah this movie is largely about racism what uh what general themes do you pick up within that what? or besides that the biggest theme i picked up this movie was that uh you have to be stereotypically slow, like a sloth, to <laughs> work at the DMV. Yep. Everyone hates the fucking DMV. <laughs> yeah, I Even really like kids it. movie. <laughs> that was a really good joke for this movie. I really liked that. Yeah. Uh, uh, what about you? I, I picked up a few. I mean, like, obviously we've got racism. Uh, I think that there's also a little bit of sexism going on or a, a little bit of portrayal of sexism. Um, I realized that like when she goes onto the force, uh, they say like, there's never been a woman bunny or there's never been a bunny cop before. I think that e- even though there are women in the police in this movie before she gets there, I think that Francine this is the elephant. To, yeah. I, I think this is supposed to be representing women in police forces. So like, there in a, in a real scenario, assuming that there were no women on the force, the way that she she was like, uh, well, I guess I'm gonna be the first. Like I I have no problem proving myself as the first woman on this force. Mm. Uh, I I think that's kind of what they were going for. The fact that she was smaller or weaker or unable to do these tasks to the same capacity as the larger creatures, a.k.a. males. Um, but then she was able to do that with just time and effort. I think that that's kind of what they were going for in this scenario. Yeah, you know what? That's really interesting. I totally was not looking at it through that lens at all, but I think it is a good point and something that we could like deep uh, dive much deeper on. Yeah, and I think there are some other instances throughout the movie where, like, they say something along the lines of, I don't think you can do that because you're a bunny. I think any time that that happens, it, we can sort of look at it through that, that lens. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. I would like to then let's go ahead and just jump right in. Um, our very first, like, like scene is fear, treachery, bloodlust. <laughs> it's yeah. a school play it, and we are seeing like the past uh i guess for this society of predators and prey and we see that like now uh we we are not as afraid of that because we have evolved and now predators can become astronauts and uh like different like sheeps can become uh mathematicians i don't remember what what they were going to be but everybody's no. going to be like something great and she's <laughs> going to be a cop the the kid the the uh whatever the predator was i don't realize i don't know what kind of animal he was he was some kind of jungle cat but uh he said i want to be an actuary 
I, I want to file taxes. <laughs> I, like, what what kid in elementary school is like, I can't wait to grow up and be an actuary. <laughs> <laughs> that kid man don't that, crush that his kid. dreams <laughs> yeah i guess when you know you know right that's awesome yeah so i really enjoyed like so that parents aren't super happy that she wants to be a uh police officer for a lot of reasons but right. like in 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 trying to dissuade her their line is you know how we're so darn happy? Well, we gave up on our dreams and settled. <laughs> <laughs> and mom's like, we settled hard. <laughs> yeah, we settled super hard. And That's right. you look kind of see dad kind of side-eyeing her at that moment. Like, oh, <laughs> you're talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's the key to success. I think that's how you, you win in life. Yeah. Just don't try just don't try and that's what they say and then he's and then she's like well i like trying actually and they're like but it's going to be difficult impossible and she's like well i guess i'll just be the first no big deal like you were saying earlier yep very tenacious very like uh at this point like naive she doesn't really know what it's going to be like but she like has a dream and she's going to work for it right um, the next thing that I have written down is this scene with, um, get, get something gray. What's his first name? Gideon get, gray, the, the Southern bigot Fox. Yeah. Uh, and the way he's portrayed, he's obviously portrayed as like this, e- even like later when we see him as an adult, he, he's portrayed as this like hillbilly kind of character that's like very, uh, in this case, I guess, sexist. Um, he is like, you can't do that. And just like you said, being that hunter instinct is in our dunna. I yeah. I lost my shit when he said that. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> it, it's in our dunna. And the other guy's like, uh, <laughs> the other guy's like, I think you mean DNA. And he's like, don't tell me what to say, Gary. Don't tell me what I know. <laughs> Don't tell me what I know. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty funny. I, I was I laughing so hard. Before that, like, the only group that you're allowed to make fun of anymore is hillbillies. And that, like, <laughs> kind of bothers me that, like, Southerners are always just portrayed as, like, if you want to very quickly, like, show, like, outward expressions of, like, being a bigot, like, because cause what's okay what's really interesting about this movie is most of the movie is sort of like microaggression-y sort of stuff like stuff that is not like super like straight up I hate you kind of stuff yeah like, uh, but Gideon is an example of like a bigot like outwardly uh, right and I think that's like a trope in TV if you want to quickly show like outward bigotry and like uh like you use a southern accent and like yeah. you go with you a redneck character with yeah. funny teeth and like they're it, it like gets there real quick um, yeah but we also break that stereotype by the end of the movie so i'm like also fine with it so right and i, I think that that's important i think that like if they hadn't resolved that for the later part of the movie i think that it would have been kind of hypocritical but yeah. the fact that they they did sort of made it 
okay in the grand yeah. scheme of things. I agree. So, the next thing that I have written down is this mammal inclusion initiative. <laughs> yeah. Which, we've already talked about, there are no other things than mammals in this world. So, I don't understand why you would call it the mammal inclusion initiative. It's just yeah, sort of it's understood. not well named. Yeah. <laughs> why, why not just like the inclusion initiative? Because we understand that it's mammals. There are no other options. Yeah, they're trying to like hint at some sort of like, uh, outreach like, program. That's what they're yeah, going outreach for. program. But yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> the naming is not great. <laughs> no, it, we know it's the mammals. human initiative program <laughs> is what it would translate to. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the fish initiative program <laughs> for all those fish flopping around on land that we want to make cops. Uh, yeah, I I thought it was funny. That was a really funny point. The the whole thing when she's leaving on the train the sign i think this was probably my favorite adult joke of the movie between this and one more um when you see the sign for bunny burrow and the population is just rising so super fast yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i really enjoyed that as well (laughs) yeah uh my so right before that we get this scene on the train station where dad okay. like we we learn we're like she's leaving and we learn that dad is also has this sort of soft bigotry as well this sort of like ingrained like we are fearful of the other which is yeah uh, like this is after she became a cop we're fearful of the other which is predators and the other which is more importantly the city um right well and i and think like, othering othering in general you guys, the listeners, should keep in the back of your mind as a, a theme of this movie is that othering aspect. It's us yeah. versus them. Yeah, and so when there's this, like... So there's this moment where, you know, he he's basically, like, naming off all these predators that are bad, and, uh, and uh, like, even says, like, weasel, and she says, you play cribbage with a weasel, and he cheats so bad! Like, this, like... Uh, this, like, I don't trust anybody who is a predator. Um, and, like, there's this, like, especially afraid of the city, where, like, there aren't these big cats and, and bears and lions and all this stuff out in the country, but there are, like, there's not actually even that many predators out in the country, it seems. Right. Um, but there are way more in the city. And that actually translates to rural America as well. So, like... Yeah. I want like when I was moving to Detroit, I had all these people tell me like like you know you should take like this instead of fox repellent. It was like make sure you carry mace and Marie too. Like make sure you carry mace around. Yeah, and, like carry this a taser. A, yeah, this is a this is a like a thing that people in rural white America do all the time. Like this is not like a weird story. Like I have friends who are similar to me who like moved into a city and like a big city and had the same experience where like they were told like you know be careful don't trust anybody like you know this is like uh you know a big like nervous like it's not everybody but it's most like it's some people so you gotta like it's like a mindset that like that is had by like rural america towards cities and then like largely because of race like sure there are more predators quote unquote in uh 
in the cities of Zootopia, there are more, like, black folk in the cities of America. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that that's something that, like, they, that we, we just know that, that people in these small towns are afraid of big cities because they haven't been exposed to that kind of experience. Yeah, and, so, and I think a lot of times people, like, this is what I love about this movie, is that, like, it is so, like, like there are little things like this throughout the whole movie that make you go, huh, like, this is just like real life. Like, this is, like there are little things all throughout this movie where it's, like, very, very real. Uh, and, like, they're minor, or seemingly minor, like, but they... Uh, they affect mindset very much. And this whole movie is about, like, what does mindset do? Yeah, well, and I think that the other thing about this is that when she tries to combat that racism, that quote-unquote racism, by saying, you know, I, I, I know foxes. Like, not all foxes are that way. Some people are just jerks, regardless yeah. of what their race is. And she gets called naive time and time again for thinking that. And so, like, I, this this is a, a an issue that we come into the our world with, saying like, you try to combat racism and you get called naive, um, mm. and I think that that's something that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's it's not naive. It's it's hoping for a better world. And interestingly, too, she she like is combating that outwardly, but she also is like deep down like also yeah. afraid of some of the same things because she takes that repellent with her on her first day on the job uh so that is a really really interesting moment and so you can kind of also see so out of the predator world foxes seem to be like the like the ones you definitely don't want to hang out with like there are no foxes on the force here like there are predators on the on the police force and there are predators in politics but there aren't any foxes in prominent positions. Like, foxes are seemingly, like, the most shunned. Mm-hmm. And because yeah. they have a history of being sly or thieving or... Uh, and we'll, we'll get more into this when we get to uh, Nick's backstory. I've got a lot to say about Nick's backstory. Uh, yeah. But we move along. Uh, she's, she's on the tram. She's listening to Gazelle. Uh, and... The way that this tram works between these cities, okay? Mm -hmm. I've got two questions. Okay. <laughs> the first question is who built Zootopia? Because it's split up Hunger Games faction style. <laughs> Biome style, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I mean, it's split up in those districts. Like, yeah. I... I can't help but think, and it's a utopia, I can't help but think that once every year they go into each district and have a culling and <laughs> they may the odds be ever in your favor sort of thing. <laughs> like, you know, you go to the tundra, you pull the polar bear, you go to the, I don't know, man, go to the savannah, get a lion, they all fight. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's probably just because they, like, want... Like, lions can't live in cold places and polar bears can't live but in hot places, right? But who built that? Who built that thing? <laughs> and my second question is, what's outside? What's beyond the walls of Zootopia? 
Well, we know that Bunnytown is beyond the the. Walls no, of they're in a district. They're in one of the districts. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Oh, interesting. So you think that like outside, this is District animals Twelve, are still like savage. <laughs> or whatever. Yes. Ah, oh, interesting. Huh. I like that. I like that theory. It's like the wild fucking west out there. Yeah, it's it's a whole other thing. Like Hunger Games. It's it's a freaking Hunger Games. Huh. I like it. I like it a lot. My next note is that uh, she meets the the character at the front, Clawson or Clawson or whatever his name is. His name is uh, Clawhauser. Clawhauser, yeah. And says, oh, you're so cute. And she says, a bunny can call another bunny cute. Uh, but really, it's weird what other animals do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I really, really like that scene. <laughs> a lot of the, those little uh, racist things, those tiny little, like, everyday tropes that you hear. I like yeah, that it, one. I thought that was funny. It makes, it makes a, like, it, it sort of makes light of it, but it's, like, it's good because, like, it makes it easier for us to, like, number one, Recognize. it brings more attention yeah. to what the story is about, but also, like, it, it just, like, it makes it, uh, it makes it sort of, like, fit in this world, and I like that a lot. I think it's well, really And funny. on top of that, he, he immediately recoils. He's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. And he's, like, stereotyping you. While everybody here just thinks that I like and just eating donuts all the time, fat and donut eating and stuff. <laughs> and yeah. then she's like, "Oh, you uh, you have a donut underneath your uh, chin," which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then police officers eat donuts sometimes, guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's this thing that comes up where they uh, she she like goes into the office with the chief, and she says, "I'm not just another token bunny." Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really uh, pretty straightforward um, note about race. Yeah, where the like tokenism, where like, well, we have Ben Carson in the administration, so we're not racist, right? Yeah. So she she's not just another token bunny. Uh, yep. So we move along. Uh, I really enjoyed her shut up neighbors. Those two guys. We're loud. What are you going to do about it? Uh, <laughs> you shut up. They get inside the room and immediately, you shut up. No, you shut up. They're, they're the Rams from Brother Bear. Yeah. They are <laughs> the, the, the angriest gay couple ever. Yeah, they're, they're the two Rams from Brother Bear that are just shouting all the time. <laughs> I remember those guys. Okay. Yeah, you shut up. No, you shut up. <laughs> So, we we see her being a badass co- traffic cop, yeah. right? Um, she's, like, really good at it. Um, yeah. Yeah, we, I mean, we know that she applies herself no matter what. Yeah. Uh, and she, she wanted to prove a point, but 200 in the first three hours is, is really impressive. That's it uh, is. something to be proud of. Uh, very, we, very exciting. Way to go, bunny. Yeah. Cop. We have um, this thing come up, though, where the we see Nick 
going into the Mr. Jumbo's ice cream shop. Uh, and Mr. Jumbo, the elephant, is uh, named after Dumbo. He, he was supposed to be, originally, he was supposed to be named Dumbo Jr. So, um, <laughs> Jumbo is spelled with an E-A-U-X, like the French, Jumbo. But it's still, um, it's supposed to be a, a callback to Dumbo. One of the, if this is the most one of the most anti-racist Disney movies, that's like the most racist Disney movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly, it's yeah, up there <laughs> for sure. Uh, I do want to say I, I forgot this note when we were talking at the beginning about trivia, but um, now that we're introducing Nick, I feel that it's something that I can talk about. This movie was supposed to be originally the the story was written about Nick, not about Judy. Judy was a side character, as Nick is now. So the okay. movie was originally about Nick, and Judy was supposed to be this cynical and um, pessimist character okay. w- with gray eyes. But then they, when they pitched the movie, they said that, or critics said that it was too dark, um, and that having Nick as the main character was part of the reason of that. Uh, because it's focusing entirely it, instead of being like uh, barely under the surface about racism with Nick as the main character, it's entirely about racism. Uh, well, yeah. And so, so we should like, talk about what the races are, I guess. I, to, I think that it's mainly predators equal black people in this movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, that, like that's what I'm gathering. They're an extreme minority. There's like a little bit of like a. It's not exactly couched in our world. It doesn't like do a one to one translation because uh, predators are like more in power and like have traditionally been in power. But they're also like because of just like the nature of what a predator is. But like, sure. uh, they're definitely like in the minority. Like she says at one point that ten percent of Zootopia is predators and ninety percent are prey. Right. Um, and so, and they're definitely feared and, like, sort of reviled for whatever history past there is. Um, and we can see in the, in the elephant shop, they are sort of, like, uh, they are, like, still, like, they're pushed to the side of society. They're, well, they're no, not, yeah, it, the, Mr. Jumbo not, says to him... Uh, isn't there any fox ice cream in your part of town? Yeah, yeah, that was powerful. Like, that was, that was messed up. You don't say that shit. That's really messed up. Yeah, fuck that. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I, you know, that's just one of the things. But going back to what I was talking about real fast, uh, they switched it. They brought on, uh, Mr. Jared Bush the third uh, co-director for this movie, they brought on Jared Bush, switched the character, so the movie was about Judy, and instead of making her eyes gray, they made her eyes purple because it uh, signified compassion. So they basically made the movie about anti-racism, about white people, so that white people would feel better about it. I I guess. (laughs) Drag. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it is probably less sad. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, like, really, I I imagine 
that if we were looking at it from Nick's perspective, that we would have a lot more to talk about with his backstory. And already with his backstory, it was really, really dark. Um, we'll get there in a minute, though. I, I have a lot to say about that. Yeah. Uh, so, so, this whole thing, this popsicle scheme that he does... Or, uh, obviously, we have Finnick dressed up as a elephant. and Finnick is like, so cute. Finnick is like, adorable. My kid wants to be an elephant when he grows up. Nobody's telling him in the elephant store. But it's pretty clear that they're all pretty uncomfortable by this aspect. Yeah. Like, they, obviously he can't be an elephant when he grows up, but <laughs> Judy, Judy is like, you can be whatever you want to be. This is Zootopia. Um, if you want to be an elephant, be an elephant. Yeah, it's adorable. Yeah. Uh, so she like is guilted into buying the like helping him out number one and then buying ice cream for him uh, and like goes outside and says I hate like the way people those backward ass looks at foxes and how people care like think about foxes you're a great dad and a really articulate fellow ah! <laughs> I literally paused the film at that point and just screamed literally just screamed <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to explain why that's terrible. It's fucking terrible. Don't say that to people. <laughs> yeah, and uh, never have I ever found someone that's not cond- condescending. Uh. <laughs> the response. It's so good. It's so rare to find someone so non-patronizing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So he has, like, clearly built up some defenses. <laughs> yeah, he, he's ready for stuff like this. Uh, but he's still in character. So he, he has to be at least moderately nice. Yeah. Um, but then, like, she she lets them be. She goes about her business. And their popsicle scheme is just so freaking brilliant to me. Like, because yeah. you, you have to wonder about the economics of this society, right? Like, if you've got a gigantic-ass popsicle that's made for elephants that would be like a regular popsicle for uh like humans then and it's only twelve dollars then that tracks that makes sense or fifteen dollars however much it was it makes sense that a fox wouldn't have to pay like 50 cents for a fox sized uh, popsicle with the same proportions, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah. if for if you're paying twelve dollars for a regular size popsicle, then it should track that the exact same thing for an elephant would cost like eighty something dollars. Um, well, it, like he sells popsicles to the little gerbils for like two dollars. Exactly. So, yeah. And so, like, for for two dollars a piece, and so he he really is taking advantage of a system that has no other way of getting around this. Because you have to think that there are going to be discrepancies like this. Yeah. And so, like, you you know that these discrepancies exist. Why not take advantage of them? And that ends our section of this podcast on Disney math. Disney math! Yay! You can check uh, out more at our economics podcast for animals. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I think I think it's also really cool 
And also, it shows, like, it's not that, like, a sinister of a plot. He's just, like, she's, like, mad because she got played. Like, she got, she basically, like, got, is mad because she, like, let her guilt and, like, whatever pull her down to doing something dumb and getting, like, played. But, like, they're not, she's, he's not really doing anything He's bad. not really hurting anything. No, he's, he's like taking the, advantage of a system that is already messed up. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, uh, yeah. There's really no other way around that. And, and it's not like the the elephant was saying, I can't sell to you because it's illegal. But he was saying, I won't sell to you because you're a fox. And so, like, it's not like that's out of the question anyway. It's not like the fox can't go in there, buy a gigantic popsicle, buy, buy three times the popsicle, five times the popsicle for the same amount of money. Like, to me, that's like going to Sam's Club. Yeah. He, he, like, he, he's... It's Elephant Club. Yeah, why wouldn't all of the smaller creatures shop at the Elephant's Club? Because <laughs> it, it you're getting more for your money. Makes sense to me. Yeah, and I mean, again, that's what I would do. He actually showed that it was totally legal. He, like, he, he did everything by the book. He was totally fine. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It really does. And also, he, like, he freaking plays her, too. Like, so they're, they're walking and talking, and she's mad again. And he's like, no, like, I'm doing everything by the book. And you're just, like, his exact words, you're a naive little hick that moves to Zootopia where predator and prey sing kumbaya. And, like, having all these big dreams, and you find out it's not true, and that you're bad at your job, and, like, yeah. It's yeah. not good. Uh, and he, like, calls her out. He basically is saying, like, you are, like... Like, this, na- like, naivete is, like... Uh, is, like... Like, dumb. <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting, I think, about this movie is, like... That is called out in a way... In other movies... Like, every Disney movie have has, like, a naive character, right? Like, if you yeah. think about Tangled, though... And this is how most Disney movies react to these, like, this sort of character. If you think about Tangled, like, she walks into a bar with this naivete and, like, everyone wins. just, like, yeah. opens up and, like, yeah, she wins. Exactly. Uh, and this and this character is definitely going to lose if she doesn't sort of, like... Grow up. Yeah. And, and that's not to say that she has to, like, leave all of her, like, uh, her dreams behind or anything she actually needs to hold on to those dreams but she also needs to gain some like street smarts and like see that people are going to try to play you if you don't like grow up like you said and like yeah, there's and, like and we see her get those street smarts pretty much immediately she yeah. she takes the the case from miss otterton and immediately goes back and hustles him in the same way that she he just hustled her exactly uh, yeah and so we, we know that she gets these street smarts, at least to a small degree. And that's when things start to pick up for her. Okay. Yep. Uh, so moving along, she does the thing with the, the taxes. Like I said, the tax evasion. We know that he's 32, roughly. And uh, she says this really funny joke. This is my second contender for adult joke of the movie. Uh, <laughs> and that's, uh, we are, uh, like she's talking about bunnies. And she's like, we are awful good at multiplying, though, when she's talking about <laughs> multiplying <laughs> the taxes. 
Because of baby making. Because baby making. Uh, I thought that was a really funny joke. Uh, and so, yada, 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 we move along. They uh, chase down this lead of Otterton uh, in the the courtyard, or in the, uh, the reclaimed vehicles lot. Yeah, we um, get the, like... The, we get this scene where they're at the the mob mob business place and yeah. they like I'm just they... skipping the DMV but uh, Kristen Bell played the secondary sloth character love Kristen Bell um, so just skipping the DMV altogether but we get to this mob Why scene would you Tony this is bad podcasting no no the... Tony bad podcast all right I'll wait DM V. Okay. <laughs> I I thought you were gonna wait until I said something and then you were gonna say scene. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we get to this mob scene. Uh, she doesn't know who Mister Big is. There's like scratch marks all over the thing, and they get taken to Mister Big, the the mm. Godfather, Marlon Brando, and. She had luckily saved his daughter, who happened to look a lot like Snooky, and um, in the same way as the Godfather, if your daughter requests something on the day of her wedding, then you obey. Uh, and so she's like, "I, you promised that you weren't going to ice anybody, and he's like, I'm sorry, baby. I have to. <laughs> it's such yeah. a funny scene. <laughs> yeah, and luckily she had saved her before, so, like, they got away. They didn't have to worry about being iced. And I thought this was a funny joke, too, that it's, it, it's kind of the the ice being um, ironic. Icing in The Godfather means, like, killing. And in this scenario, they're dropping them into ice water. I thought that was really funny. And also killing them. <laughs> yeah, and also killing them, but dr- dropping them in ice water, I thought was funny. Um, but, yeah, so we, we learn all this stuff about what happened with Mr. Otterton. They go to the driver's house. I forget what his name is. Um, and uh, Manchus. Yeah, Manchus. And Manchus. they get chased down. He turns wild. He turns savage. And After he says that Overton attacked him. Yeah, after Otterton attacked him and talked about the the night howlers, um, and he chases them down. And this scene, to me, was very Tarzan-esque. It looked almost Tarzan-like. It's in the rainforest, yeah. Yeah, and like the way that uh, Manchus was chasing them was very Tarzan-like to me. Yeah, with that point of view above the above the cat is really yeah. interesting. Yeah, in the in the canopy and everything, I think that that reminded me a lot of the same kind of look. Yeah, um, I can see it. Oh, I totally skipped the nudist colony. Oh, yeah, I noticed that. I was like, well, we skipped the DMV and the newest nudist colony. <laughs> okay, just real fast. I love the nudist colony. This is like one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Gotta love <laughs> Tommy Chong. He's super funny from Cheech and Chong. And also uh, the fact that he was like, I wish I had a, the memory of an elephant there. Uh, that was my Tommy Chong impression. I hope you liked it. Um, <laughs> I wish I had the memory of an elephant there. Uh, 
gotta ask what's her face the elephant uh she remembers everything you remember the guy the other teeny came in with like a bunch of other friends he was wearing a green vest that day Here, here's his license plate number i really i loved it i thought it was hilarious it was really good <laughs> i also i also wonder josh are you part of a nudist colony is that why you like this scene so much no i mean i like being nude but that's not a colony I, I like the irony of it, though, that they're talking about, like, it's a naturalist colony. It's not a nudist <laughs> colony. It's a naturalist colony. And there's, like, a lot of irony in this one scene alone of, like, animals not wearing clothes and them being the weird ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, it's they're, great. they're just hippies because they're not wearing clothes, but they're just regular-ass animals because they're not wearing clothes. And, and even even Yax makes this joke. He's like uh, Yax being Tommy Chong's character. Yax makes this joke like animals wearing clothes, and we're the weird ones, man. Uh, <laughs> I, like I really, I just love this scene all around. I thought it was hilarious. So I guess moving back to where we were. Yeah, go back. Man- <laughs> Mantis, uh, <laughs> Josh, we never paused. Nobody watched the movie. <laughs> oh shit. Um pause. Pause. Watch the movie. Forget everything we've talked about so far. Re re-listen. Come yeah. back. <laughs> All right. Okay. So now you you've watched the movie, right? Yeah, for sure. They did. I, I know okay. what you did. I know that you didn't actually pause. <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, so we have the Tarzan scene. Uh, they get to the boardwalk. They fall off. Blah blah blah. They chain him, and the night howlers come, or the the wolves. They're not actually night howlers, but the wolves come and take Manchas away. Um, and she comes back, and uh, Chief Bo goes like, "You had your forty-eight hours. Give me your badge." Um. And I, I think that this is a big moment, a turning point for Nick, right? Nick finally stands up for her because he sees himself in her. That yeah. she, And maybe she's never been treated like this before until she got here. Because in uh, Bunnyboro, she was just a regular person. But now she's the one being uh, scrutinized, the one being discriminated against because of her size, or in this case, her sex. Um uh, her gender and yeah. she is being discriminated against he knows what that feels like so he stands up for her yeah i like that i, I actually i think it makes sense because you're right you see a lot of discrimination discrimination against the bunnies at the beginning of the film it's not the same as like to the same level as against the the predators yeah uh but i think you're right i think it's like I think it makes sense to sort of see that through a uh, gender sort of eye-looking. Eye Even though, like, like there are obviously male bunnies, or else how could they multiply? But, like, it makes sense, at least in this story. And I think that that is really interesting. Not, not something I picked up on when I watched it. Yeah. And so, like, we, we get this whole thing. He defends her. They get into the um, sky cart. And we learn about Nick's past. And for me, when I was watching this scene, I couldn't help but 
imagine it as real life. And so, like, Nick being a, a young African-American boy who just wants to join the Cub Scouts, wants nothing more than to be in the Cub Scouts, or in this case, the Junior Ranger Scouts. Yeah. And he's just this, a young African-American kid, goes into this basement, and they attack him for being black. That That is a horrifying scene to me. Not just, like, attack him. They literally, like, chain him up. Like, the muzzle... Yeah, the muzzle is the same... Is equivalent to being, like, chained up or tied up or something. Yeah, the muzzle means the same as chains. Like, it's... It's really fucked up. Like, the, like kids are awful to each other, and, like, we kind of saw that at the beginning with the with Gideon Gray, and we see that again here with, like... Well, and this yeah. is a learned behavior. This is a yeah. learned behavior from their parents. And so he's being the, the quote-unquote naive one by thinking that they're not going to do this to him. But it shouldn't be a, a, a thing of, like, he should have prepared for this. He, he was in the right by hoping for the better. He didn't even think about this. He just wanted to be a Cub Scout. And he thought that he was finally being included by yeah. these other kids. But it turned out that they still had this hidden agenda, this resentment that they weren't showing on the surface. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty fucked up. It's like, and that's why I kind of think that it's good that it was changed to, to being a story about Judy, because from this perspective, it is it, just this one scene alone of Nick's past is very, very, very dark. And it's hard to watch. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, I mean, but it's I'm, good to watch. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that uncomfortableness is is something that we needed to see. Um, and then he goes on to say in present time, he's like, if the world is only going to see me as a thieving sly fox, then why should I try to be anything else? Yeah. And I think this is a theme in African-American culture where if after a certain amount of time, you keep getting beaten down and and degraded by people who believe just by looking at you that you're nothing but a thief or a crook or um you cro- like, like white people cross the street to get away from you yeah yeah then then why should you try to be anything else and this story is about telling you that you should try to be something else to prove them wrong right um, it's the the idea is that like Maybe the idea is, like, why should I try to be anything else, especially to prey? Why should I try to be anything else, especially to the non-minority groups? Yeah, like, to the majority group. Why should I... And I think that, like... Like, I think that is something that, like... Uh, I don't think... I don't think that is something that most people actually, like, ultimately fall into but it is something that i think at some point you probably feel you know yeah um, well and, and like i i have friends um african-american friends that have told me in the past that like even walking down the side of the street um or like at a at a crosswalk or something a car will be nearby and you you'll hear the sound of the doors lock yeah from from where you're standing 
and it's because of that inherent racism. And yeah, and that's this, and the, what this movie this is, is talking about that this that movie is, not necessarily like direct racism, but that inherent racism. Yeah, it's the it's the air we all breathe, the toxic the toxic air we breathe. That like it's it's not the the straight up bigotry of Gideon Gray at the beginning of the movie. It's the like the quiet bigotry of like yeah. of what's in your head and like how you you interact with uh like how you interact with people you don't know and like yeah. before you get to know them. And I think that that is uh that is really great about this movie and I think that like what this movie is saying is you're right like you like you continue to try like we can tr- continue to work together to find a better world. Uh Fuck, man. This is a dark-ass episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's hopeful. Like, movie. this movie is super help- hopeful. Like, it really, really is. And that's what we're going to get to. Um, but in the meantime, there's some levity here. Uh, there's, like, this really great joke where uh, they're in the sheep's office, and <laughs> he's, like, touching her afro, and she's like, you can't just touch, <laughs> you can't just touch a sheep's wool. He's like, it's so springy. Uh, and again, this is, like, the, like, you can't call... Uh, bunny's cute it's like one of those jokes that like you don't touch anybody's afro no because it's not in the like it's not in the it's not like really rooted in the real world it's something that we can make fun of and it's really like really funny uh and i like that scene a lot um (laughs) there is uh the the whole thing with the wolves i thought was hilarious uh they like (laughs) the stop it dude you're gonna start a owl and yeah i didn't know the wolves are like the most dignified <laughs> looking uh characters like that's what i'd written down wow these guys look super dignified compared to like almost everybody else in the movie and then they start howling and you're like oh fuck they look so dumb because <laughs> like for the most part like the animals look kind of silly in clothes to me like for most of the movie but then like yeah. you see the uh the wolves and they're like oh they look really cool like they look pretty oh god they're howling and they look so dumb <laughs> yeah it's like it's like you want to avoid howling at any possibility because just one person howling means that everybody just instinctively howls. Uh, it makes I, it I so easy hilarious. to get into the <laughs> into the place. Yeah, they just walk past them. All, all it takes is one of them. To, I didn't mean to. It wasn't me. I didn't start it. <laughs> uh I, I just thought that was hilarious. So they get inside, they take all these pictures, blah, blah, blah. The mayor knew about it. And she gets her way. She she wins. Um, they have the press conference, and uh, she says the things that she says. She basically says that it's their biology. It, it's in their nature to be... She says what she overhears at the plant. Right. Right. She, 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 she says... says... Those, they they assume that it's it's their DNA. It, it's in their biology to be inherently in their, their dunna to be inherently violent. Um. So and then Nick says, um, like you said, plenty. This is obviously how you feel. Do you see me this way? And she says, you're not like them. And he says, oh, so there's a them now. And this brings us back to that point of othering, um, that, that it's an us versus them. And 
this whole time he's been a part of the them. He he's the minority, but he thought that she was better than that. That it's not an us and them. And even with the best intentions, we see that she still has that inherent racism. As much as carrying around fox repellent is kind of an inherent protection against foxes and this doesn't translate necessarily to to human life like there's not um black people pepper spray it's just pepper spray but Um, people who carry pepper spray in a city yeah exactly like there it, it is for like it's not for any particular race but like deep down i think for some people i think that if you are afraid to walk down your streets, then it might be because you're afraid of black people. Sure. And, and I think that, like, nobody's going to look at you funny in in a city if you carry um, pepper spray or if you carry, if you've got concealed carry of a, of a gun. Nobody's going to look at you funny and be like, that person's a racist, necessarily. They just assume that you're carrying something. Um but this movie has specifically Fox repellent. So it, it is definitely a direct thing to him um, in this movie. And I think that that's kind of why we, we haven't seen him address it to this point. And then when he finally does, she has her hand on it in, in a second. She, she was prepared. Yeah. Yeah, uh, she, and like, and and yeah. she even knows, like, she knows that he's fine, and like, and that she, he's not going to hurt her, and like, exactly. still has that deep ingrained feeling that she hasn't worked through. And here's right. so here's what's really really great about this movie. This movie is about, and and I think we've already said it about uh, the fox. He need he needs to try, and but he's trying now. And he's realized that trying has hurt him. Like, it has not helped him. Right. She made a mistake. And is she going to give up? And the answer is yes, she does. She goes home because she made a mistake. She quits. Yeah. Um, we get this, like, cool, like, uh, Gazelle is talking about how great diversity is. We can't let fear divide us. You we're stronger together, yeah. all that stuff, right? You can't, and, you can't uh, generalize a whole an entire group as savage. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like it's irresponsible and it it's hurtful, right? Uh, and like we get that as an as while she's talking over like that exact thing happening, where people are like like yelling at each other, like there are more uh, more tr- like people turning into quote unquote savages. They're like more predators becoming like evil they're more prey becoming like you know we see uh the predator going home uh like we're having to move away from the front desk uh the cheetah guy uh, clawhauser clawhausen and so we like we get all that and they're, and they're this riot too is horrifying they're like go back to the jungle where you belong like that that was one line that really got me i was like that is fucked up that's like almost fucked up in like like that's fucked up in a in a now context like that if you yeah can you imagine like holy shit well and of course it happens like so like but imagine that being like recorded and put on tv like yeah ha what a world so yes um Um, 
So anyway, we, she she finds out about um, she goes back home. She finds out about the uh, night howlers, and she meets Gideon Gray again, and he is uh, kind of I guess like he he's uh, a born again Christian is kind of the the, the feeling that I got from him. Uh, he, well, he's, <laughs> he's basically saying, so he's saying that, like, like first of all, number one, he is, like, not super dumb. Like, he's, like, not a dumb, like, just a dumb idiot. Like, he actually, like, is, and I'm going to use the phrase articulate, but I'm going to use it because he said Dunna earlier. So, like, he, he goes from being, like, this dumb hit, like, dumb redneck hick character to becoming, like, a like well spoken and like super um like introspective. He knows exactly why he was the person he was. You can tell somebody went to therapy and yeah. like helped to figure themselves and, out. And so they he, can... he acknowledges that he was cruel in the past and why. I think yeah. that that's the most important part is that we yeah. we know that he has changed and that he just had to try. Yeah. And it was largely because he was brought up that way. Yeah. Um, and that's not a good excuse. We, we, we know that that's not a good excuse. Being brought up that way is not a viable reason for racism or, in his case, sexism. Uh, yeah. And so, like, it, he's he's been re- redeemed at this point in some small way. Uh, and he's working for bunnies. He's working with them. Uh, yeah, so he's working. He's working like he he's part of the community in a way that he he might not have otherwise been able to be. Right. So, uh, he they, they, she learns about the night howlers. She goes back, and there's this wonderful scene where she's like, "I was wrong. I didn't mean to be." Uh, when she's talking to him, she's like, uh, I, I know that I hurt you and I know that you're probably not going to forgive me, but I, I'm genuinely sorry. And yeah, this is um, a great apology. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say anytime that you were realizing you really fucked up, it could be like something that you said that was terrible. It could be something that you did that was terrible. Go back and watch this scene and like, see how to make a real apology. Like, this is, like, I, I hate fake apologies so much. Yeah. Go back and watch this scene, and, like, this scene teaches you how to say I am sorry. And it yeah. is awesome. Uh, so, he takes it. They, they like, have this really warm moment. She's, like, crying and laughing and, like, reaching for the pen. Um, I thought that that was a really sweet moment. Uh, yeah. And... Then they get back on the case. They go after uh, Weaselton. Um, we know the night howlers are flowers that yeah. that cause a- any animal, prey or predator, to go crazy and yeah. act like they. It's were. just been targeted at predators um, yeah. for the sake of the media. Uh, and so he says, uh, Weaselton says, uh, "They made me an offer I couldn't refuse." Money. Money. <laughs> <laughs> and again, this is a, a reference to Godfather. The, the whole uh, made me an offer. We're going to make you an offer you can't refuse, which in this case 
or in any other case in The Godfather would mean that you get to live. Yeah. But he redeems it immediately and says money. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, um, it's really good. <laughs> and then right afterwards, another one that I don't know why I laughed so much, but I did. Uh, it, it <laughs> he's like, he's the opposite of friendly. He's unfriendly. Unfriendly. <laughs> I also I, thought that was funny. I don't know why it was so funny to me. I wrote it down and I'm like, this is stupid. Why am I writing this down? I'm looking at it on paper and it's so dumb. <laughs> but you know I what yeah. wasn't dumb? All of the, the Breaking Bad uh, references. Yes. Walter and Jesse. Uh, <laughs> Breaking Bad references. And the, the, the like mask and the suit in the same way that that walter white dresses in like the same bunker kind of thing yeah Uh, i thought it was hilarious i love the breaking bad references yeah uh i kind of wish that they that walter and jesse kind of looked a little bit more like walter and jesse um or at least like talked like them a little bit um but if they had jesse in this movie say yeah bitch I think that they would have had a problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they would have. Being a Disney movie and all. Uh, so, the whole Breaking Bad thing, they, they blow up all the evidence on accident. Uh, and they travel through the Natural History Museum. And I have to know more. I, I want to know more about the Natural History Museum. Because the way that it's set up, right, there's a lot of exhibits of real animal interaction. So there, there's, like, a deer, uh, a little Bambi-looking deer, and, like, predators in the in the tall grass. Or, like, there's yeah. a, a bunny caveman with a little spear. Um, yeah, we see part of, like, where the evolution, how the evolution came about, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I don't remember, I think it was Mr. Big a while back that said, we may be evolved, but we're still animals. Um, and so, like, I, I'm i curious as to how they evolved and, like, what what's in this Natural History Museum? Because I want to know more. Um, lots of things. I'm, I'm not asking. It was, it was just a, a talking point, Tony. I don't expect oh. you to know what's in the Natural History Museum. Let me tell you, Josh, there are <laughs> uh, more animals. Uh, some of them have spears. Some of them have building blocks. Some of uh-huh. them show the war between the predators and prey, and then the eventual peace. Ah, the, gr- the Great War. Yes, of course. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we, we move along. They save the day. They replace it with a blueberry. And... Save the day, and from Bellwether. Uh, Bellwether's the bad guy. Yeah, this this and and you know what? Like I noticed too that a lot of or almost every single one of the bad guys in the Natural History Museum were sheep. Um, yeah, and I think the reason for that is because they're the whitest, um, the whitest possible animal that they could come up with. This fluffy, uh, white creature i'm not sure if that's an intention to show like white culture as um kind of propagating racism but that's kind of what i got out of it interesting 
Like she just wants the interesting. Yeah, because um, all all the thugs are also sheep. All, yeah, that's true. We let's not tell a single story about sheep though. We 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 probably there probably are some good sheep out there too. Yeah. Um, uh, but yes, that is interesting. I. I also I would have to think about that a lot. Yeah, like I I just something I noticed. Huh. Uh, and so she plays plays her it's a hustle uh and the other police all show up because she called them. <laughs> like she she brought this on herself. She called the police and just assumed that things were going to go her way. Um yeah. She says, "Quote, fear always works and that's why like, you know, I'm I am uh, doing all this and like putting pitting the prey against the predators and pit like so that way I can stay in power kind of thing. Fear yeah. always works, and that is very topical to uh, politicians nowadays. So, moving on. Moving uh, on. <laughs> we we're we, not talking about politics in this podcast. No, we sure are not. Uh, so other than like cultural racism and things like that. Yeah, but not um, like top, not topical politics. I okay, guess we're talking sure. about general themes, themes of yes. the world. Uh, so we we move along. They they solve the problems. Uh, Nick becomes a cop. They they're partners now, and um, I wanted the the last joke that I picked up was when they are uh, when Bogo is giving out assignments in the the last scene uh he's like talking about you know these people have uh this duty these people have this duty and one of the 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 undercover the three that have to go undercover one of them is a wolf and he puts on a sheep mask yeah it's really good <laughs> it's a literal wolf in sheep's clothing it's really i thought funny. that was hilarious <laughs> i also laughed at that uh um, so like yeah. the moral the moral of the story is and she says it at the end with her voiceover. Um the moral of the story is that real life is messy. There is no black and white, real life is messy and try understanding. Um you, you have to try, but you have to try understanding. Um yeah. And try so, to make the world a better place. It's it's yeah. about like you're going to fall down, you're going to make mistakes, but keep trying anyway and so this is this also goes to the song i literally cried the entire song like every time i've watched this movie i I can't help it because this song is like a living embodiment of like what does it mean to be like a person on this planet like trying to make make yourself like better like she like says, "I won't give up until I reach the end. I want to try everything, even though I could fail." And like, like the chorus is, "I keep making those new mistakes. I keep making them every day." This is a story. This is a story from both the the fox and the bunny's point of view of like messing up and messing up like in like really serious and hurtful ways and continuing sure. to try anyway. I think a lot of times and this is like sort of my big thing on this movie and why I really love this movie so much is I think a lot of times people uh especially white people uh 
and especially white men, don't want to try to fix their own biases. Don't want to try to, like, like solve their own, like, thought processes. Right. And, like, the places where they, they think wrong and they're in the wrong. And, like, I think that they don't want to do that because they're afraid of making a mistake. They're afraid of being called a, called a racist or a sexist or a homophobe or what have you. And, right. like, that fear is not, like, that fear, if it keeps you from trying to be a better person, is a problem. You know, like what, like you should be okay with making mistakes as long as you are okay from learning from them. So like, like, like let yourself be open to those kinds of mistakes is literally what this song and this movie is about. Like she makes a a big mistake and like causes the whole world to go into like this, like (laughs) literal race war, like, and she also can do something about it it's like i mean obviously this is on a grand scale but like you also could do like the the story of the moral of the story is that you also can do something about your own mistakes and we should like like as a community of people who want to make things better we should also be willing to like i feel like in the world right now especially like on the liberal side of the world we are so quick to critique and we are slow to build things up. So, like, letting, like, we should critique. We should tell people when they're wrong. But we also should be willing to... generalize. Yeah, you can't generalize still. Well, I don't... Yeah, yes, obviously you shouldn't generalize. But you also, like, after you critique, after you tell somebody that they're wrong and that this thought is wrong and that you're wrong-headed, you should also be there to, like... If they, if you tell them why they're wrong and they're open to listening and being like a part of that conversation, then like let them, like let them back in, like let them make make up for the mistake and become part of like, like you've made a mistake. Now let's learn from it. Now let's grow. Now let's move on. Let's like work together and like be a part of this team together. And I like love that aspect of this film, which is that like critique. Like, make the mistake, grow from the mistake, and then, like, like be open to, like, trying to continue. Right. Uh, okay, well, that was that was Tony's rant. I hope you liked it. Uh, <laughs> this movie was a great movie. I really enjoyed it. It's, uh, it's definitely up there. 2016 was a great year for Disney movies. It really uh, was. It really, really was. Um between this one and Moana were two of our more serious episodes and still great movies. Like very, very um, influential and greatly written movies that uh, I, I, I like this one. I think this one was a success. Uh, so with that real fast, we want to encourage you to follow us on Facebook at front porch Disney. We want to uh, make sure that you like subscribe uh, and rate us there also if you have any comments or additional things that you wanted to talk about with the movie or even other movies that you wanted us to talk about uh feel free to comment or message us on facebook you can always also find us on twitter uh i'm uh at front porch josh and uh, i'm at front porch tony right and you can also find us at front porch disney on twitter 
The other thing that you can do is the hashtag front porch talks. We want to encourage you to do that because when you do, your name will be entered into a drawing for some free front porch stuff. Also, if you join the conversation on Facebook, we'll include you in that. And uh, also on iTunes, we want to make sure that you tell your friends. If you have anybody that you know that isn't already a, a subscribed to the show or downloads or whatever, um, yeah, we want to encourage you to tell them. If you got this far into the show, you're, you've are you been listening for an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes, then you, like, clearly are a fan. Like, seriously, even if you don't listen on iTunes, open up iTunes, give us a five-star rating, give us a comment, say something so that it helps other people find us. Right. It only and takes a couple thing, minutes, and it will definitely be helpful for us. I do want to give you guys a quick thank you. Uh, this past week, we had our largest um, subscription yet. Uh, or our lar- largest amount of downloads so far. Uh, the Pete's Dragon was a huge success. The the drinking game was a very large success. We want to thank you guys for that. We want to encourage you to keep going because we don't do any advertising. All we do is through Facebook and uh, through word of mouth. Word of mouth is the best kind of advertising. So uh, continue to and tell your Josh friends. What Josh and I are thinking about doing is yeah. uh, based on like the best comments we see on Facebook. So right now... To be totally honest, like we have a lot of passive listeners, and that's great. But like we want you guys to join in on the conversation. So, like honestly, we're at the point where we want to include people, actually include your voices. So if you want to be a part of this show, if you want to come on and talk with us, you're welcome to. We just need you to like start talking on Facebook or Twitter. We're talking on Twitter. Yeah. Uh. So really, yeah. Like like Tony said, we really want to start including you in the conversation. Uh, and that means on the show, too. We've already read a couple of comments from uh, Facebook in the show, but we want to start having people on the show that uh, aren't, like, necessarily our close friends, maybe other people that have other things to say. Uh, yeah. We've already had a lot of our friends on the show, but we, we want to reach out the conversation to all of you guys, too. So Absolutely. Uh, with that, again, thank you to Marie. We appreciated having you on. And uh, like your reptile conversation, I too am a reptile fan. So, uh, thanks everybody. Tony, would you sing us out? Yeah. Oh, real quick, Josh, what are we uh, watching next week? I believe that next week we are finally gonna do it, Tony. Oh boy. We are finally gonna watch my favorite movie, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, man, this is going to be great. Oh, shoot. I didn't even know. This is awesome. <laughs> this is, guys, this is my favorite Disney movie. And, yes, we're going to have two semi-serious movies back-to-back, but this is my favorite Disney movie, and I think that it's going to be a wonderful conversation. All right, dude, let's do it. Okay. Try everything. <laughs> Try everything. Try everything. Try everything. Oh, okay. Are you just going to say the same thing? Okay. Try right. everything. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Try everything. <laughs>